Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, November 21st. We are two days away from Texas's trip to Baylor. And fun fact, on this date, three Longhorns have rushed for over 100 yards against Baylor. Jam Jones and Daryl Clark did it in 1981. Eric Metcalf did it in 1987. Anyway, I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined on this lovely Thursday by Mike Craven. Mike, say hello. Hello, everybody. Uh, you know, Earl Campbell's always been the guy that's the obvious answer of like who I could go back in time and watch at Texas. Eric Metcalf is number two on that list. I wish I could have actually seen what all the old guys talk about because he was supposed to be pretty pretty good. Yeah, he would have been uh, incredible, incredible to cover. Um, anyway, you know, let's start off this podcast. It's a fun, fun little topic on Monday. Joel D. Anderson, fine writer, works for Slate, has the Slow Burn podcast. Uh, you know, he's on your podcast, Mike. Yep. Why don't you give that a plug? Yeah, come and come and say it. Pod.com. Go, go find it. Go find it. Listen to that uh, if you want uh, more Mike Craven in your life. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Joel uh, was talking to, on Twitter about kind of the greatest high school football players he. Um, has seen had a, had a nice interesting list and names that will definitely be recognized for you Texas high school football fans but that got me thinking you know obviously we've covered a lot of um, Texas high school football players Mike uh, played Texas high school football so Mike who is the greatest who's the goat that you have covered um, in all your years covering high school football either you know as a high school football writer or on this recruiting beat now for me the 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 answer that pops up to my head that I just can't get away from is Kyler Murray. You know, I wanted maybe to think, you know, Adrian Peterson may have been more impressive as a prospect because he was just so big and playing what at the time was 3A football. But for Kyler Murray, I know he doesn't look like Adonis or anything, but winning all of those games, winning all the state championships, all the comebacks, just how much he dominated games and it felt like no one had a chance because Kyler Murray was on the other side I think he'd have to be the best high school prospect I ever covered at least from like an accomplishment standpoint he was incredible yeah I can't really count um, Gerard Hurd because I didn't cover him but I saw him play one game against a really good Georgetown team and just destroy them um, my, my guess would probably my, my pick would probably be Garrett Gilbert uh, mm-hmm. my first year at the Statesman was 07 so that was his first championship season and obviously the 08 season was uh, like Tra- when like Travis just ran over everyone en route to the second of their five straight titles. Uh, you have, I've got to cover a lot of good quarterbacks. Um, you know, obviously Baker's my guy. Yeah. Um, you know, Austin. For one sure, of my I mean. one of my favorite you know you know quarterbacks of all time is a guy named Nick, Nick McKissick, who uh, you know worked at who um, helped lead Stony Point to some new heights at the beginning of my tenure year. Jake Kubinek at Georgetown was a good quarterback. Yep. Sam Ellinger obviously with what he did at Westlake. Um, during his junior years, but Garrett was just something else, and I know it didn't work out at Texas, but 
you know, it worked out at SMU, and he's had himself a nice little NFL career. So yeah, I mean, he's made NFL paychecks for a really long time, so he clearly knows what he's doing a little bit. But there was there was a reason why he was as hyped as he was, and I got to see that firsthand. Uh, anyway, like I said, you know, you Dobbins may be up there. Oh, J.K. Dobbins was great. Too, Dobbins may be up there, especially if you're going local. Dobbins was just a beast. But again, it goes back to classes. Mm-hmm. For me, it's hard to rate a three A dominant player as high, as high as a five because it's like. Who are you playing against half the time is kind of my issue. So that's what made Kyler so special was he was doing it at the biggest of levels. A funny story. I covered uh, JK. It was, would have been his junior year because he, you know, he was hurt for most of his yeah. senior year. But his junior year, they played Liberty Hill in their opener out in LaGrange, and he just ran wild. And that LaGrange team was really good. And I remember going up to Jerry Vance after the game to ask him what he thought about JK. and. Coach Vance was not pleased with uh, <laughs> ta- talking about how uh, J.K. Dobbins ran all, all, all over his Panthers, as I'm sure you can imagine. Shout out Jerry Vance, man. Happy retirement. Le- legendary coach from Liberty Hill. Uh, like we said, you played football, Cedar Park. Uh, fine uh, safety back in the day. I don't know how you want to describe yourself. But maybe, maybe fine is being too generous. Who, decent. Who, who was the best player you ever played against? Uh, Tommy Harris. He's a defensive tackle out of clean. He ended up going to Oklahoma. He he was a man child. He played on both, you know, because in high school you don't just play one position. You know, uh-huh. you play all over and stuff. And Cedar Park was new back then, so we didn't have as many numbers, had to start a lot of guys both ways. And so just watching him on tape and then just like feeling his power was a different level of intimidation that I had ever really known. Like we played against Ramont's Taylor and Eric Hardiman and Myron Hardy in our district. And they were really good. But they, like, embarrassed you with speed, whereas Tommy Harris, like, scared you to death. So I'm, I'm going with Tommy Harris because I'm 34, and he still gives me nightmares. <laughs> That's a good, good pick. Um, I did not grow up in the States, so I can't, uh, you know, claim any Texas high school football uh, stories. But, you know, I'm going to give Montana a shout-out, talk about the best player I ever played up against Montana. Um, you know, growing up, you know, Montana's had its – Every once in a while, a kid from Montana pops and make it, makes it to the league. Um, Lex Hilliard was running back for a couple of years. Dan Carpenter was a kicker for the Bills. Um, those guys are both my age. But uh, Ryan Leaf's little brother, um, we played against him. Um, he was the quarterback of one of the better teams in the state. Um, never made anything of himself when he got to Oregon, but uh, still was a pretty good high school quarterback. The best player I ever played was um, this kid named Nick Disley. He's a wide receiver at Bozeman. Um, last game we ever played, uh, we got eliminated from playoff contention by Nick's team, and he just went crazy. We just could not cover him. I think Bozeman scored 60-some points that night, and he was just um, he was a beast. He went on to go play basketball at Montana State, and then uh, his brother is actually a tight end for the Seahawks. So he was oh, okay. a pretty athletic family there. Yeah, that's good blood. And, you know, before we get started, while we're talking about Montana football and while we're talking, I mean I'm talking, I just have to say one thing. For the love of God, Montana beat Montana State this weekend. <laughs> I cannot go another year. We've lost three straight to the Bobcats, and I just cannot go another year of having my friends from that community college in Bozeman <laughs> have bragging rights over the far superior university. And I know no one on this podcast cares, but I we, care. We're reaching and this is my people. podcast, and I'm going to just say it. Go Grizz and beat the Cats. Go Grizz. Um, I'm with you there. <laughs> All right, let's go around the 40 acres and actually talk about Texas recruiting since that's why people are tuned into this podcast. Um, you know, every week or every day on, uh, during the week on hook'em.com, you have a dotted line column. We're going to go over some of the topics you covered this week. We're going to start on Tuesday. Uh, you had a conversation with Jalen uh, Monroe. Milrow. Uh, Milrow, excuse me, who you, you got to see last week in his playoff game 
2021 quarterback. That's obviously a long time from now. He says he's committed. He says he's a Longhorn. How hard is it going to be for Texas to hold on to him for another year when, you know, if he's as good as we think he's going to be, you know, the other programs just aren't going to back off because right. he says he's a you know, fully pledged to the Longhorns. How hard is it going to be for him to stay in the, you know, Texas's, uh, you know, grasp for another year? With quarterbacks, it may be an interesting case because it may be the position you can sell themselves on the most, right? You can go to Jalen and be like, whatever we are now, when you get here, you can be kind of in charge of, of the offense and you get to dictate some of that. So quarterbacks, I believe, kind of go into it thinking they have the power to help programs more than, say, a guard or you know a linebacker or something. So I would imagine Texas holds on to him. Jalen seems high on Texas, and I know Texas is high on Jalen. But you're right. There's, I mean, 13, 14 months before he could ever even assign with the school. Like we've seen this year, you never know how a season's going to go. So if, you know, Texas struggles again next year and then there's Herman talk, you know, about him leaving or something like that, then, you know, all bets are off. But if everything, if Tim Beck, Tom Herman are there, and Texas looks solid next year, like most think they will. I, th- I think that Texas does a good job of keeping most of these guys together. Now, if it's six and four again in twenty twenty, then who knows what's going on? And speaking of holding on to commitments, um, you know, interesting things kind of been happening with um, Bajan Robinson. I know you've mentioned it in your column. The Athletic wrote a story about it. Um, you know, he's a Texas commit, but you know, there's rumblings, yep. and the problem with these rumblings is. They're rumblings about a kid who is out of state. Yes. And it's a lot harder for reporters, a lot harder for coaches to get to these kids and, you know, make sure that everything is uh, on A-OK. How hard is it for, you know, a school like Texas to hold on to a commitment from a player that is out of state that they just can't easily go see or go reassure aside from, you know, phone calls or, you know, reaching out online? Yeah, I I mean, I think it's exponentially harder to keep an out-of-state uh, commitment, especially during bad times um, mm-hmm. than good times. Because one, you know, you, the young kids within the state, even if they don't grow up Texas Longhorn fans directly, they at least know the brand and they know the name and, and what it's been and what it can be. You know, For a kid from Arizona or even for like Van Fillinger in, Fillinger in uh, Utah, you know, they probably didn't grow up really caring or watching the Texas football program all that much. They don't have this, like, connection to it that it's home. They're going there for football. I mean, that's, that is strictly why they're going to these programs. And so when those programs struggle, it's so much harder, not only because you can't just take a quick flight or road trip over there. It's harder because you don't have the same community depth. Right, like if Texas has a kid, even in West Texas, that's thinking about decommitting, Texas probably knows somebody on that staff or knows somebody around there. Or, you know, like there's there's a way to massage those connections within the state with the high school coaches, where you can get real information. Whereas they don't have that relationship with Arizona coaches, and so you just uh-huh. you don't know if you're getting the truth or not, and it's just kind of a wait and see approach. Because usually we know at least behind the scenes, a kid's kind of leaning one way or he may be thinking about decommunion. Joshua Eaton was the perfect example. With Bajan, he's so far away from all of us. Like you said, writers, coaches, everyone. That, And he's a quiet, 
quiet kid in anyway mm-hmm. where it's one of those you just you don't know and i've spent two hours with him you know just sat there and talked to him and his mom for two hours and i still don't know you know he, he you know so he's just one of those guys that's hard to read and when it's out of state and i think that's why texas wants to recruit the state so much is one it's home base but it's just with brew mccoy you know we just you know cam rising you know not only is it harder to recruit those guys once they're here it's harder to keep them and so uh, it's a delicate balance texas has to find um, one one player who we do believe will sign on the dotted line is ty jordan a mm-hmm. three-star running back from west Mesquite, west mesquite pledged texas back in september you caught up with him earlier this season uh, so let's hear what you and Ty talked about in this uh, our weekly recruiting interview. So here, we're here with Ty Jordan, uh, athlete from West Mesquite. Uh, what made Texas the eventual decision for you? Uh, I just felt like home away from home. That's uh, the best way I can sum up home away from home. When did you know that was where you were going to go? I know when you announced, but kind of when was that feeling? Uh, I, I, I signed and committed a month before I announced it. So I knew... Going in, like when I first, my very first junior day, I knew that that was the school that I wanted to be around. Um, and I just made it official um, August 5th, and then I let it out a month later. What separated Texas from USC, Tennessee, some of those other schools in your in your list? Uh, it's close to home, great program. They're building a, a good culture. You know what I mean? Uh, got a lot of a lot of guys. Um, just. They're trying to be better. Just trying to get better. Where do you see your role? You're a guy who can play some running back, some you know receiver, that kind of stuff. Kind of where do they talk about you playing? Uh, kind of, kind of like a uh, all-purpose back, uh, running back slot. You know, uh, just to eliminate the, um, the amount of time switching personnel and things like that. You can just put me on a slot, things like that. I, I would I would uh, imagine your height is kind of a thing people have knocked you for before. What would you say to people who talk about height and that kind of stuff and how much that even matters? Uh, to me, height really don't matter. Uh, I'll go ahead over anybody. I'll block anybody. I'll get in front of anybody. And run, you know, uh, it's just my heart. You feel me? Uh, it's just my heart bigger than my body. Uh, you can see it definitely in uh, my blocking ability and then my speed. Yeah, I'm short, but uh, can you catch me? Um, what would you tell the Texas fans? How excited are you to kind of have the decision out of the way and just focus on being a senior? Hey, we coming in to change the program, to be a great program. Uh, oh, you suck. <laughs> nah, no, no, no. But, yeah, we just – I'm just excited. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to get better. My man, appreciate it. Mike, as uh, Ty said, you know, when he announced to Texas was not necessarily when he became a – Longhorn commit talked about being a silent commit, which is kind of a fascinating um, you know, concept to me. You know, how often do these silent commitments happen, and you know why? How do they keep silent? Because in the age of reporting, and you know, you probably you know a lot of the recruiting reporters probably know about right. these commitments, but you know they're staying silent because they don't want to steal the kids' shine. But these stuff doesn't get leaked or on message boards or anything like that, which is kind of um, amazing. So you know, how often do these silent commitments happen? And how do they keep quiet? I don't know if they do. Like, if you follow this daily, you know, like, if you're a message board guy or, like, on, you know, looking at the crystal balls, that's kind of the hint, right? Mm-hmm. 24, that's my main problem with 24-7 crystal ball is we are in an industry where we've all decided, right or wrong, we're not going to spoil kids' commitments. That's just a thing that in this industry has just kind of been the standard. 
And the crystal ball, I think, kind of just skirts around that or whatever. But you know, I mean, there's there's a silent commitment in my file right now mm-hmm. on the draft. So, you know, Stay most tuned. that's a tease, folks. Most of the, most of the time, we know there's the few like Demarvi on Overshone randomly committed on a Tuesday because Keontae randomly did on a Monday, and he just wanted to get it out out there. You know, like there are the random times where it comes out of nowhere. But it's few and far between. You you kind of know where these kids are leaning. They'll tell you off record. I mean, they're teenagers. You know, usually if you tell them, you know, it's off record, they'll they'll talk to you honestly, and you can get a good idea of where they're going. And it used to be hat ceremonies and stuff, and so they'd be silent until the hat ceremony. Now it's videos, so they're silent until they get their their commitment final, final edit, edits, you know, done. done and stuff like that. So like Dejon Harrison from Hutto. Uh, he was committed for about a week before he announced, you know, he's telling everybody, hey, I'm going to do it around 7. So be around your computer around 7. 7.30, 7.45, nothing's happened. So, you know, I text him, hey, what are you doing? You know, what's going on? He's like, well, I had to go to my friend's house because my internet's not loading the video. It was too big of a file to load at his internet. And between that time and when he did, I ran up to go get food just because I thought I had five minutes and he did it right when I got <laughs> the drive through window. You know, so... I think most of us know what's going on behind the scenes and the kids do and the coaches do. It's mostly for show on how they want to present it. Uh, let's talk a little bit more specifically about Ty. Um, he's 5'7". Yep. You know, he did not seem to think All that was of a 5'7". He did not seem to think that was a problem. Talked a lot about it. You know, he has a big heart and you know, obviously it's gotten him this far in a scholarship offer from Texas. But is someone who's 5'7", is that a concern? I mean, it's not great, right? I mean, uh, in football, the bigger the better. Um, however, the way Texas uses their slot receivers and jet sweeps and they, they vision, envision using him you know, in the return game, I think that height can be fine. We can point to guys like Darren Sproles and stuff who have had a decent career. Alvin Kamara is not the biggest guy. Uh, but yeah, Ty is undoubtedly small for a football player. He'll admit that. I think everybody's... Uh, you know, quite clear on that, but he's a pretty thick dude. He's a pretty strong guy, and Texas won't ask him to be a first and second down running back. He'll play slot receiver, maybe some third down back. And as we've seen this year with Devin Duvernay, Texas uses the slot receiver as much as anyone. So I think that's where he'll eventually find a home. Yeah, how important is it for Texas to get athletes in its system? I think it's huge, right? Like we look like John Harrison, Ty Jordan. Uh, if they end up getting uh, Calvante Dixon from Carthage, who decommitted from Arkansas, you know those guys are offensive weapons that maybe don't, on paper, you don't go, okay, that's a for sure X, or that's a for, for sure Z. Uh, but they're athletes that they put on the field, and if we look back at Herman, at Houston specifically, and even at Ohio State, those offenses are filled with just dudes who were athletes, wide receivers who were quarterbacks in high school and stuff like that. And so I think for Herman and Beck, they're not looking for the best quote-unquote wide receiver. They're looking for the best athlete that they can turn into a wide receiver. All right, let's segue out of football, talk a little bit of softball. It's going to be a recruiting spotlight. We're going to talk about Bailey Williams this week. Every week we introduce you to a future Longhorn who won't be playing football at Texas. This week we're shining a spotlight on Williams who – signed with Texas last week. Um, one of six players in her recruiting class, Bailey is a utility player from Marietta Valley High School in California. Last se- season, Bailey's left-handed swing produced a 
333 batting average, 15 RBIs, and 10 runs. She was 10 for 10 on steals, too. So very, very effective on the bases. I asked a Myriad Valley coach, Will, um, Will Paquette, to describe Bailey in one word, and he went with sneaky. Why? Quote, because Bailey is always cool, poised, and collected, but she is so fast, and she is a fierce competitor. Nothing drops in the outfield. She takes pitchers deep into count, deep into counts, and she is always pushing herself and her teammates, end quote. Her coach also says uh, that one of Bailey's strengths is her defense and ownership of the outfield. Outfield, uh, When I asked for one thing she needs to improve on, uh, he said owning inside pitches, which uh, will help her unleash some of the home run, home run power that she has but does not uh, always show. Uh, Texas, this upcoming season, is going to have six seniors on its rosters. Of the six seniors, four are outfielders. So there's going to be playing time available once Bailey gets here. Uh, UT coach Mike White, uh, when Bailey signed, says said that Bailey has a type of upside that Texas looks for in an incoming freshman and looks to have the potential to be a force in the lineup and in the outfield. So, Softball recruiting is so weird because like, I'm expecting these girls to be on the team mm-hmm. this year, you know, but it's like a whole nother cycle, you know. So. So weird. We were just recruiting. I mean, it wasn't so weird, but um, you know, a few years ago, this would have been 2017, um, Taylor Ellsworth, who was mm. – a junior, or she was a senior at Georgetown, decided to graduate early, and so she signed with Texas, and then just showed up, you know, showed up on campus right. in, in the spring, and you know, was a starting catcher for them as a freshman during what should have been her senior season in high school, and so that was a, uh, you know, that was one of those cases where you know she signed, and all of a sudden she was on, she was on campus, and she's had herself a very good career since she got to the Forty Acres. Um, all right, let's uh, kind of head on home, uh, so to speak. Mike, where are you going to go this weekend? AT&T Stadium, Cowboys, got three, Jerry World. Games, we got uh, one game Thursday, two game Friday, three game Saturday oh, wow. situation. So a little appetizer uh, for the state championships and sit in my favorite press box. I'm going to say, did you get the Dave Campbell's uh, hookup? You, they're going yeah, to hook I don't you know up in the box if, this time? I or? don't know if that will happen this week. State championship time, we've we've worked some things out. Although I've lost Max Thompson over there, so we'll see how how far my relationships actually <laughs> extend into the Dave Campbell's world. I'd shout Max out, but he's not listening. All right, um, <laughs> let's talk about some gambling. Gambling, uh, Texas Baylor, Longhorns, uh, you know, five-point underdog going in this game. What do you think of this line? How are you? How are you feeling? I don't. This Texas team confuses me every every week. Um, I guess I'm of the opinion that Baylor is going to play a really good four-quarter football game after kind of blowing the second half against Oklahoma. That kind of makes Baylor kind of hungry and need to, to impress in this game. And I'm just not sure what's going on in Texas' locker room and behind the scenes. It's just so hard to keep everything together when you're struggling. And so I just I feel like Baylor definitely comes into this game like more focused or more you know needing it and so i, I think baylor covers all right it's uh this time the podcast is usually when we do our mailbag if you have questions about texas football recruiting um whatever you know we're willing to answer them find us on twitter as danny for me at craven mike uh for mike bevo b at facebook and instagram we'll answer questions there but mike people are angry people are upset in longhorn nation it's a Yep. Kind of a toxic environment right now. So it's not fun. I want to talk about something fun. Let's do it. Like murder. <laughs> and serious crimes. And by that, I mean law and order. Dun dun. And so I, I have some law and order questions. We're not going to answer football this week. We'll get back to that next week when everyone's a little happier. Uh, 
show we both love. Detectives and characters we both love. Yes. Yes. Obviously, Lenny's the goat. Speaking yeah. Of goats. He's yeah. the goat detective. Right. But who's the next best detective? We're not, you know, if you want to you know, include SVU in this um, conversation, sure. But, you know, we're not talking about criminal intent. But who's the second best detective in the Law and Order uh, universe? So SVU, we're not going SVU. You, if, you want, if you want to throw SVU, you can. I would say Stabler from SVU may be my favorite detective in the series, even above Lenny, for this reason. If I was a police officer, that is how I view the way that I would act. Like, he's kind of on the line, and he has temper issues and stuff like that. So, I think I would go Stabler, and if we're going regular one, Mike Logan. Detective Mike Logan. Okay. With Mr. Big from Sex and the City playing it. So, uh, he was fantastic in the original one. Also kind of a little shady. I guess maybe that's an underlying theme here for me. See, my problem with the... Uh, Mike Logan is I don't observe those first four seasons of Law and Order ah because they're the pre uh, pre pre McCoy yeah era, oh, pre Jack so, yeah so I don't really observe them so he's that's kind of a detriment to his his case I always liked uh, Detective Green I liked his partnership with um with Lenny a lot more than yeah. I liked uh, Curtis Curtis's uh yeah um, partnership and then I also like um, Bernard Late um just because I like Anthony Anderson as an actor so. Those were those are my two favorites aside from Lenny, of course. And yeah, with that line where he's like, "I got ties older than this guy," is one of my favorite. Uh, next, uh, next argument: um, Who was the best ADA? Who was the best uh, sidekick for Jack McCoy? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go with Elizabeth Olivet. That's who. That's who I enjoyed. Uh, mostly, I guess she was more of a doctor. Yeah, she was a shrink. But. She was a shrink, but that was she was my favorite. I'm a psychology major, so I've always enjo- enjoyed it. J.K. Simmons was in there for a while, uh, so yeah, I always I always like the good shrinks. I don't know if I know any ADAs off the top of my head. My favorite is Jamie Ross. It's uh, it's not close to me. I mean, you know, first off, I like my ADAs not to get murdered, so that uh, took mm. out one, took out one. I like them not to get killed in car crashes, which took out another. I like them not to be terrible, which takes out Serena. And so uh, ja- Jamie Jamie was my favorite. I thought she was the perfect <laughs> foil to Jack. She was a smart, independent, um, you know, could stand up to his nonsense and, you know, ended up making the right decision for her when she left the show and leaving for family. So, I mean, I just liked her character arc as, as a whole. I always found the ADA relationships with Jack a little problematic. You know, Law and Order definitely kind of leaned a little more into the '80s, '90s stereotypes of bosses and, and their subordinates, and which is why, which is why, which is why, I hinted around it. that a lot. Which on is the like show. why I like Jamie because she just did not take Jack's uh, Jack's crap, and there was no uh, there was no sexual tension between those two, which was which was nice too. Um, my favorite question: Let's say we can go back, you know, ten, fifteen years, and you somehow win a lottery or win something and you get to have a small role in Law and Order. You're not, you're not Jack McCoy. You're not right. a detective. Right. You're some random character. What random character are you going to be? Well, I'm going to be the bad guy. Okay. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the one that, that they find that at the beginning they think is harmless and kind of look over. And then with 20 minutes left, it dawns on them. We had them the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just some kind of evil genius and get some screen time going back and forth with Jack. I think that would be a dream to be cross-examined. <laughs> By Jack McCoy. Okay. You know, I, I, I thought about this. I thought maybe I'd be the person that was wrongfully accused within the first 10 minutes of the episode. <laughs> right, but then that, you're just right out. That's how, that was always fun. I don't need a big part. <laughs> I think it'd be fun to be the person within the first two minutes who finds the body. 
Ah, just have the ca- casual right. conversation the with their friend about you right. know, sports or whatever, and they stumble on the body. Right. But I think I'd want to be the, the, the head of the jury. Ooh. I'd want to be the head of the jury when a verdict can't be reached. And the judge is like, are you sure that no verdict can be reached? Your Honor, we have gone back and forth, and we just don't think that there's gonna, anything's going to happen. We are hopelessly deadlocked, We're hopelessly Your Honor. hopelessly deadlocked, Your Honor. Your Honor. Well, we excuse you with thanks, to the, thanks, from, this, thanks from this court. I, I think I could uh, have have that deadlocked uh, line down, Pat. I think my ego is a little bigger than yours. I want to be, you know, I want to be, I want to have like the uh, four character, four four show bad guy character. Oh man, you want you, you want know. yourself like a side series? Yeah, I want a spinoff yeah, series. Yeah, right there. yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's a little look into the mind of Mike Craven. Do you still watch Law and Order? Because oh, as soon as Staler yes. left, I ca- I can't watch the new SVU. I mean, I clearly watch the ep- the old episodes that come on all the time, but. Well, we, wa- we watch, you know, SVU is, we have like three programs that we still DVR, me and mm-hmm. my wife, and um, SVU is a program that we, um, we still watch. It's one of her favorite shows. We don't watch it every week. Like, it's one of those things, like, we'll store up some episodes right. and just kind of knock them out. But, like, I, I, any old episode from not, ex- not including those first four seasons of Law & Order, whether, you know, you know, we, TV's having their marathon, mm-hmm. TBS, whatever, you know, we will, you know, I'll, I'll sit down and watch, you know, Two three hours on a on a weekend just it to kill time and it hooks you even in. though like I know what happens you know I'm just trying to find find new clues and so yeah I, I can still watch SVU we don't you know watch as regular but you know we'll still get through all the episodes in this season great show yeah it is really it was a really good show I guess once Stabler left I just kind of I lost my heart for it and so I don't really keep up with the new ones so maybe I can go get on Hulu and watch some watch the new ones tonight because I feel like I've gotten to the point where I've seen it all. That's one thing that surprised me too is that he hasn't like made a guest appearance, yeah, on, on SVU or something like that. Maybe that'll be the be the so finale. Sad. I miss Stabler and Benson were like work couple goals. A, you that know, was a dynamic duo right there. Yeah. And uh, speaking of dynamic duos, me and you, we're out. We're out. Uh, don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. We sure do appreciate it. And thanks for tuning in this week and every week. The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. We'll see you next week for Texas Tech. Dun dun.